Hi guys, and welcome to another week of We Need Therapy. My name's Jordan. And my name's Josh. And this week, Josh is going to tell us about his experiences with festivals in Perth in summer. And Jordan is going to tell us about his experiences at Circuit in Asia, as well as his story about coming out. This will be the new platform for our podcast, so make sure you subscribe to get notifications whenever we put out new episodes in Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And don't forget to follow our new Instagram called We Need Therapy underscore pod for all updates and background information from our episodes. Alrighty, back by popular demand. Is it popular? Oh, how many listens have we got? At least four outside of my family. Jesus. And there's about 90 people in my family. So, <laughs> so we've got a name now. We do. So after lots of consideration, we've decided that our new podcast is going to be called We Need Therapy. Which is highly relevant and accurate. I know. I think we, we do need therapy. And it's probably something that you know my parents have been yammering on about for years now. <laughs> I feel like my parents should pay for my therapy. <laughs> They caused. <laughs> did your folks listen to this? Yes, my. Well, I know my sister did. I don't think my dad has. Yeah, and I think my mum has listened to half an episode oh, and then zoned out. It probably. <laughs> <laughs> what about yours? Um, I think my cousins and sister has, um, but I think we'll we'll keep this away from the folks, especially considering the uh, direction that I think we're going to take this over the next few weeks. I know. I think I'm going to have to be quite vulnerable. I wonder if I should tell my therapist about it. Because the funny thing is, well, not funny, but the reason we wanted to call it We Need Therapy is because not only do we actually need therapy, it's that we're both accessing therapy at the moment. Mm. And that's something that we've spoken about a lot um, and our kind of our journey towards getting there and feeling like it was time to open up to someone. I know for me, the reason that I started getting therapy originally was kind of to understand a few issues in my life. But then the more I've gone on, I realize it's more just understanding myself. And I, I remember that early days where I think I started seeing a psych first and I was talking to you about it and you were kind of going through the phase around, oh, should I, shouldn't I? And you, you actually had a few duds. Yeah, that's right. I did actually. So my grandfather passed away a few years ago and I think that was the impetus that kind of caused me to think about accessing therapy. And I did try out a few of those kind of like free psych services through our employer, but it wasn't really the right match. And I had to find the right match for me, which only came about six months ago, really. And that's actually really hard. Like, I know for me, with my anxiety, even going to the GP that I've known for years and talking through my symptoms with him, when I was explaining to my GP, I had this sense of imposter syndrome around, oh, my, my symptoms aren't good enough to to get a mental health plan and there was anxiety around me trying to get help for my anxiety right okay and even going around and searching different psychologists I felt like I had to find the perfect person that that perfectionist type personality coming out oh yes like I had a list of about five or six from different people I would look up their degrees what they studied what their expertise were to eventually try find the perfect person for me right did you feel like because you had your background being an occupational therapist that you had kind of a rudimentary understanding of that and that you were looking for someone to kind of advance your own knowledge? Um, At the time, no. But in retrospect, uh, I have found my experience with my psychologist to actually really help me in my career as a therapist. And going through uni, we learned quite a bit from an OT perspective around mental health and psychology and different modalities of treatment. And you kind of like... You can see the theory there, but you don't really believe it. And when a psychologist presents it to you, like, I know exactly when they're using CBT on me or challenging me. But it's funny actually living through it and doing it. You're like, oh, this actually works. Right. Okay. I don't know if if you found something similar. I guess I... Well, I guess the background, I don't know if anyone listened to the pilot episode. I mean, I looked at the numbers, it doesn't seem like anyone listened. But so the background is that I'm a physiotherapist and... Josh is an occupational therapist, so I guess we have the word... Quite a successful one at that. Yeah, 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 yeah. We have the word therapist in our title, but neither of us are remotely <laughs> experienced or licensed in psychotherapy. So just putting it out there, this podcast is not... Um, this, is, this is purely a discussion about our journey to accessing therapy. We're not kind of suggesting that you should try any of this. 
In fact, I think a lot of what I've done in my life, you should definitely not try. <laughs> it's kind of like uh, the opposite of a, give us a your give us your top three in the last week. <laughs> um, well, actually, recently I've been to Thailand on a holiday. Oh um, yes, yes. How yeah. was that? Yeah, it was great. Um, so I went. Where to, did you go? Uh, I was in Bangkok. No, no, not what did you do? Where'd you go? <laughs> that is really bad. <laughs> Cut that out. That's so bad. <laughs> Creative. I don't think anyone's used that pun before. So, did you spend Christmas there, or no? No, we had Christmas here with the family, um, and then we flew out. I think on the twenty eighth. So yeah, I was in Thailand for the White Party, which is a circuit festival. The White that, Party. Yeah, the White Party. So, circuit festivals are gay festivals that happen all around the globe. Gay and lesbian, or just no, just gay men. Is there ever integration between the two, or? Well, we do have Mardi Gras, which I think is meant to be a celebration for everyone. But basically, it's just thousands upon thousands of gay men. And you might see like a lesbian every other day or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The circuit festivals are just for, um, I guess, what you would call cisgendered white men. Not white men. I should actually (laughs) definitely cut that out of the podcast. It's so bad. I was going to say, isn't one of your boyfriends uh, not white? <laughs> Did you leave him behind for the white party? <laughs> I feel like I, I feel like the words cisgendered and white like go together so easily. <laughs> I, Wait, I don't know. sorry, cisgendered. Can you explain that to me? So cisgendered is when you're the same gender in which you were born. So is you're that cisgendered. What it means? I, I cis- used it in the first episode, and I thought it meant straight. Right, and then no. you used it, and I got very confused. No, no, no. Cisgendered means there's been, like, no change. Uh. And to be honest, like, I understand why you think that because when that term appeared on the apps, like, Grindr, like, I I still remember, like, five or eight years ago, nobody knew what it meant. Mm. I mean, I only really got comfortable using it and knowing what it meant like a couple of years ago so as a straight person i can see why you had would just have no exposure to that yeah yeah yeah. interesting so anyway let me let me try that explanation again without offending anyone so a circuit festival is predominantly for cisgendered gay men yeah and of any skin color yeah yeah of any race religion or creed (laughs) So, what is a white party? The white party is the name of Bangkok's um, Christmas-style circuit festival. They also have another one which is held around March called Songkran, which I've never been to. But basically, circuit festival is when you get thousands of gay men, up to 20,000 gay men, for like a week-long festival, and you do night after night of intense partying. And the parties usually start around midnight and they can end up going to like 5 or 6 a.m. Mm. in the morning. So when, when you say festivals, because I'm a big festival head, as you know, but I feel like my festivals are different to your festivals. Definitely very different. Was there anyone playing, like big acts or...? Yeah, well, um, a lot of the, like, the famous people in the gay world, like drag race contestants or maybe singers that are really popular in the gay world, like Kim Petras. She's a transgender woman who the gays just adore her. She's headlining Mardi Gras. Yeah. And that's considered to be a circuit festival. Okay. Other things, examples would be like when Kylie Minogue headlined Mardi Gras or things like that. So um, I think on an Atlantis cruise one year they had, um, who's, oh, this is really bad, but who's that famous Australian celebrity who did Xanadu? Olivia Newton-John. Yeah. She headlined one of the gay cruisers, which is very circuit-like. That's intense partying. Yeah. And you have one headliner who's adored by the gay community. Oh, okay. So, like, talk me through the couple of hours at one of your festivals. Like, what what happens? I don't think I can legally discuss that on this podcast. But I think a lot of Okay, people... so it sounds like a lot of my festivals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, there's probably a lot we have in common. Typically, when you go to circuit festivals, costumes are a big thing. So you spend weeks planning your costume, which is basically a few bits of fabric to cover your body so that you can go out legally in public. But your outfit usually includes things like harnesses, body jewelry, body glitter, face glitter, you use like a little bum bag. Most yep. people wear like speedos. I bring or a little... bum bag to my festival. Well, exactly. We have so much in common. I feel like you would go down really well at a circuit fest. <laughs> Get Maybe, me a harness as Obviously well. like not getting with anyone or being attractive, <laughs> but just like I think I think your mood is, is very in line with circus. I mean, I, I have seen some of the, the Instagram posts that you guys put up and the videos and it does look like a lot of fun. 
Oh, a lot nice. of color, a lot of confetti. Yeah, consider like confetti cannons exploding every 30 minutes and people dancing on stage. Everyone, well, not everyone, but most people bring those like party fans where you kind of go through the crowd with those colorful fans and just like... In Asia, we call them fans. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm learning. This is a cultural journey for me. So the white party then, you dress up in white, is that... So the white party had five separate nights and the last night, which is the biggest celebratory event, is the white party. But before that, we had Electric Sea. Uh, We had a neon event. We had an army military ball and there was also the jock ball. So Sounds just like a Kentucky. (laughs) (laughs) And there's as as much STDs as Kentucky as well. So. Yeah, so I don't know if I can talk about what goes on at a circuit festival, but it's a lot of dancing and a whole bunch of people loving each other. So. Do you know one thing, and I've got a few of my friends that follow you on Instagram. Okay. The amount of really ripped, muscular people at these festivals, like it's crazy. Yeah. I don't think I could last out. I'd get way too insecure. Yeah, well, the thing with circuit is it really brings out any insecurities that you have. So, yeah, I can understand the kind of curated social media posts that you see on your Instagram or Snapchat, whatever kind of platform you're using. The, the festival does look like that. Like, I'm not going to lie. There are bodies there where you're like, wow, that person, they clearly live in the gym or, you know, they spend a lot of time on their aesthetic. Do they like oil themselves up? Some people do use like, you know, an oil or something to make themselves look extra ripped. Yeah. But I think you have to remember that a lot of the people that go to those festivals are using enhanced things to make themselves look better, whether that's like a steroid or... Viagra. Viagra. Yep, definitely. Or, you know, like Botox or fillers or skin treatments. Like there's a lot of cosmetics, there's a lot of injectables, whether that's legal or not legal. Yeah. So it's a heavily curated image and it's not always real. In fact, most of the time it's it's not authentic. And so it's a five-day festival. Yeah. Which is day the in, day party out. was a five-day festival. It Barcelona Circuit, which is the biggest and most well-known circuit. Oh, that's goes, the one you went to earlier this year, right? Yeah, I did. Yep. Yeah, that goes for two weeks Jesus. every night. It has parties, and often you have day parties as well. How do you have the stamina? Like I did, I went out new the day before New Year's Eve and yeah. then New Year's, and I'm still recovering five days later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess, um, yeah, you have to really kind of get into the circuit. It takes a lot of mental preparation. Mm. But you know, I mean. Tell me about some of your experiences over the last two weeks because we haven't really seen each other since we've recorded the last no. episode. And it's been great, actually. I've actually ran into a few people at a couple of festivals I've been to and, and New Year's Eve. They listened to the show and, and gave some really cool feedback. Great. Anything we can use today or did you just completely forget everything? Oh, mate, I was on another planet the last two <laughs> weeks. So I think it was good feedback or... <laughs> Maybe just the state that you were in, everything felt really good yeah. at that point. They were probably like, this show fucking sucks. Yeah. This is two crackheads talking to, other no- to one another. It was actually just me looking at a wall. <laughs> like, I, would, no, I, I think even that would have felt good, the state that you were in. Oh, it's, it's been a really good couple of weeks. Like, uh, But I'm really starting to feel my age now. I've done. Wait a minute. How old are you? 13? I am uh, 27. Sorry to task you with such a hard question there. <laughs> so 27. Oh dear, I've got done... early onset dementia. What else is happening? <laughs> Shit, friends. <laughs> <laughs> I've done six festivals in five weeks. Are you kidding me? Mm. Girl, you're a circuit boy already. <laughs> okay. Can you remember any of those names of those festivals? Wildlands. Okay. That was a vibe. Although in like 36 degree weather. Ew. Very, very tough. You would have ended up with like a six pack after that, just sweating out. Oh God, everything. I wish it's been a it's been a big festive season as well. <laughs> I actually don't think I've had a home cooked meal in about two weeks. <laughs> but you are always cooked, so. <laughs> um, ice cream factory. I love ice cream factory. It's what? just how old have are you? you ever 19? Been? Have you been though? No, I haven't been. I'm a 30 year old gay man. I'm not going to fucking ice cream factory. <laughs> Do you have, have like I don't know maybe. It's just me, but do you ever like go to a venue and have just an amazing sense of belonging? Well, it's funny you say that because when I go to circuit, that's what it feels like Mm. because the majority is gay men. In fact, it's exclusively gay men. So you feel so 
so secure in a way because everyone around you is just like you. Is that how you feel at Ice Cream Factory? Hanging around Ice Cream Factory with 18-year-olds? Yeah, 19-year-old <laughs> white girls <laughs> as yeah, a 27-year-old. These are my people. Asian man. <laughs> hey, I won't judge your sense of belonging if you don't judge mine. Oh, God. So, okay, so you've gone to Ice Cream Factory. A couple of Ice Cream Factories, a couple okay. of gigs, Festival X. Oh, Rufus du Soul. I Ooh, feel like that, that was, was like a good one. The highlight of my summer. That was I think that was amazing. the highlight of your life. I, I would probably agree. Yeah, like it was an just animal. <laughs> Sorry, that's like the only thing I we, could think of. This isn't karaoke. I know there's a microphone in your hand. I think my voice just broke <laughs> after 30 years. So tell me about Rufus. Oh, it was just amazing. It was in Langley Park in WA, okay. along the foreshore. A week before Christmas, so there was like a lot, lots going on. The, the set was beautiful, the music was amazing. You've got the background of Per City at night time, oh. and then Christmas fireworks as well. Are you kidding me? They did fireworks? Yeah. No, for Christmas, not for Rufus, oh, but during wow. the, the set, it, it went up. And oh. Wow. So who is Rufus? Because like, I, I know that they are a band. Is it one person? Is it multiple people? What's going on? It's a band, and... I'm pretty ashamed. Like, I'd say they're my favourite band, but I only just realised a few weeks ago that they're here. They're from here in Australia. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yes. Where, what city? It's obviously not Fremantle or Perth, because we would have spoken about that. Um, I, I feel like Sydney. I mean, Sydney's always a safe bet for yeah. musicians. Okay, fair enough. Don't you have a link or a story about Rufus? Yeah, I actually do have a link about Rufus. So... Uh, a member of my family, and I'm not going to say who it is, they um, they run a couple of um, Airbnbs, like short-stay accommodation, and there was one in um, somewhere over east, some beautiful tropical-type island. One of the people who rented their Airbnb was um, like a group of young guys. They didn't know it at the time, but it was actually Rufus the band. And after they had checked out the cleaners went through the Airbnb and they actually found in the Nespresso like coffee pods, some of them had been removed and inside were little bags filled with a white powdery substance, which I won't reveal what it could be. Sugar bags in a Yeah, I think they were doing like those zero sweeteners. I, I actually heard one of them has diabetes. Well, I'm not surprised with the amount they consume. <laughs> but yeah, so if you're looking for... Um, a good that, Airbnb. Yeah, a good Airbnb. Or Wait, is, it, is this our first show sponsor? <laughs> <laughs> Nescafe. <laughs> Do you think they would sponsor this? Absolutely. They could be massive circuit queens. Yeah. We have no idea. If, if the executives at Nescafe are listening, I hear imagine that. that. The people at Circuit love sugar. Well, that's true. That's, that's true, amongst other things. <laughs> anyway, so that was my kind of Rufus story. I actually am curious. I had something... Like a, I wouldn't say, okay, it was a dating experience that happened in the last few weeks. What has happened? And it wasn't a smooth process. I don't think any of your dating stories have been smooth. Well, I'm going to talk you through the story, but I would love to hear your advice. What you would do in this situation if it was a cisgendered gay man. Yeah. 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 So, I was at the cricket a few weeks ago. Um, I invited... Someone to the game who I've kind of, you know, historically had a thing with and invited them along just to sort of, you know, poke the bear and see if there was anything there. Sure. Long story short, there was nothing there. So, as usual, yeah. I blew them off and then went. Oh, really? That quickly? At the cricket? Are you sure you're not meant to be doing circuit right now? <laughs> that is terrible. Uh, oh, it, um, <laughs> you cooked it. <laughs> In Australia, we, when we say we've blown someone off... Oh, you do not need to explain that. Everybody knows what blowing someone off means. <laughs> also, how international is our listenership? We had like two people from Russia. Yeah, we had two people from Russia. Like, Shout out to you if you're listening in Russia. <laughs> can you speak Russian? Me or them? I'm pretty sure they can. <laughs> anyway, let's get this show back on track. Should we just like... Should we just... Because if we're in... If we are being played in Russia, do you think they like... Do you think they're censoring? Is the KGB like kind of filtering this? Should we just say something like, I, I love Putin. <laughs> what, what do you think about the, the Kremlin? <laughs> Is it Kremlin or Gremlin? I don't know. Yeah. I thought it was Kermit. No, it's Kremlin. Kermit's the frog <laughs> that lives in the bin. Oh, no way, that's Oscar. 
Kermit's the frog that does that weird dance on Instagram. <laughs> oh, yeah, the, yeah. Like, Ape the um, Sesame Street. Yeah, frog. yeah. Yeah. When yeah. it's like when you finish your first no, bottle of so wine and it has The it. two okay. Russian listeners that we had are no longer listening. <laughs> <laughs> and one of them is Putin. <laughs> All right. What were you saying? Oh, God. So, so you took a female acquaintance Friend, yeah. to the cricket. I did not blow her off. You've done no cunnilingus. <laughs> okay. Now what's happened? I left her because I had been messaging someone on Hinge, which is the dating app that we were talking about. Okay. Had not met this person yet, but this person had Christmas drinks on or was out during the day and quite drunk. Anyway, we were messaging back and forth and she's like, oh, do you want to do something tonight? And for mm-hmm. me, oh, those three words. <laughs> Goodbye, right-hand man. <laughs> so anyway, I yeah left this other potential person to go see this person. What? Are so, you like fucking Hugh Hefner at this oh point? Oh, God. <laughs> you just, have, you just like, have women around this you. This is the one potential. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, I am recording with a complete amateur right now. Someone's... Someone's Apple Watch just went off. It's the Russians. <laughs> take, take that watch off. Put it in the corner. The Russians are listening. <laughs> All right. Let's let's try this story okay. again. Sorry. Wait, wait, wait. Okay. So, yeah. Messaging this girl. Hadn't mm-hmm. met her yet. She was a bit younger. Say, like, early 20s. Which isn't too bad for me. It's, okay. it's still legal. Before yeah. I can see your judgy eyes right now. Yeah, I am judging. That's okay. So, anyway. I got home. And my housemate actually had friends staying here. And I'd not met them before. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, okay, like, I think this might be a hookup, but I don't think I can bring them back here because, I mean, you've seen the walls here. They're paper thin. Yeah. And it's like two people I've never met before. Including the, the person next- in the room with you. <laughs> <laughs> so I was messaging her and she's like, oh, this is my address. Come pick me up. Let's go for a drive. Oh, you're driving at this point? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I did the whole, and she was like, give me half an hour. Like, mum and dad are still awake. And I was like, my heart dropped. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, she lives with her parents. So if anything were to happen, I, like, I'm racking up scenarios in my mind. Like, what it's do I do? It's going to be like a car situation, right? Oh, I don't know. That's very... Have you ever done that? Not in a long time. Okay. And not... I don't, I've just got a new car. I don't want to make it dirty. <laughs> I don't think it's going to get that dirty, babe. <laughs> so anyway, I, I don't know if this next part is just me being an OT and what I do. Okay. But so she gave me her address. I Google mapped it. Mm-hmm. Bird's eye view just to see how big the house was. Okay. That's like a light stalker entry level at this point. But like, you, you got to know, I do this for work. Like, it's a safety thing. But I also... Is it a safety thing? Well, you're just che- checking out accessibility. <laughs> we should point out right now that Josh isn't using crutches or a wheelchair at this point. <laughs> Although maybe your date might be later on. <laughs> so anyway, I rock up to her house. Um, she lives like 15 minutes away and I'm like, oh, I'm here. And okay. she's like, oh, just wait. I'm just waiting for, for dad to go to bed. Get out of there. What? Is it, why is she waiting for her dad? Is he going to join you guys or something? <laughs> like how kinky is this girl? <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like surely she couldn't just be like, oh, I'm going to go out for a bit. Like, why do you have to wait? <laughs> I'm going for a hookup. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> why do you need to wait for your parents to sleep to leave the house? Yeah. So anyway, Are I... Are thinking like house arrest or something? Like, guess how long I waited. And this is really shameful. Three minutes. 20 minutes. Are you kidding me? I didn't know what to do. Oh my God. And like, I... I, I I, I would have the- gone in and made her dad like a cup of cocoa and just put some <laughs> sleeping tablets in and said, I'm just about to bone your daughter. <laughs> Off you go. So anyway, she eventually comes out. Like, I was ready to call it. I was like, no, nah, fuck this. No, like, 20, 30 minutes. You, you were staying there all night. <laughs> like, did you send out what, like some sort of tent embassy on the front lawn? <laughs> were you doing like a sleep in? <laughs> Do you got sex? <laughs> so anyway, she eventually came out, got into the car. And we drove around for a bit. But as soon as she got into the car, I got hit with this, like, pungent smell. But it wasn't a bad smell. It was just an overwhelming smell. Okay. The pheromones, they were kind of like, they were (laughs) happening. What's it called? Impulse, body spray kind of vibe. Lynx Africa? Lynx Africa. What was her sex? (laughs) (laughs) Do you not remember Impulse? No. So Lynx, Lynx Africa was like the male equivalent and then the female equivalent, like any year 10, 11, 12 change room in Australia smells like impulse body spray. Right. Female, we should say. Female, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you spent a lot of time sniffing around <laughs> those change rooms, didn't you? 
So if anyone knows this kind of olfactory <laughs> senses, it's going to be you. Well, I, I do have a sensory, uh, sensory. You have sensory needs. I'll tell you that much. I feel I have a, a sensitive nose. Oh, okay. Anyway, she was very chatty. Okay. A bit too chatty. Okay. And I almost got the ick straight away. Do you know what the ick is? Do you use that term in... No, I don't know what that is. So the, the ick is when... Um, I think it's a female... The females love using it. Usually to describe me, but that's a whole... Fair enough. I, I, actually, no, I understand perfectly. <laughs> no need for an explanation. It's that kind of like itch you get in the back of your throat that makes you just want it a little bit. Yeah, got it. That's a penis, Jordan. <laughs> I haven't had one of those for a long time. <laughs> Neither has your date, it sounds like. So anyway, we, we ended up driving around for an hour and by the end of it, I was like, I'm done. Like, I'm not going back to hers. I'm not taking her back to mine. I completely just got the ick and then dropped her off. Where did you drop her off? Just out in front of McDonald's? <laughs> <laughs> what were you doing? Like, we, we Uber driver. We went for a drive up Mitchell Freeway and then across and then... What do you mean driving? You sound like you've just got your license. <laughs> You pick up this girl, you're like, okay, let's go to Two Rocks. Actually, you know what? I might just pop down to Macca's for a quick ice cream. If you don't live in Perth, you don't realise how far away those two places are. But <laughs> What, Two Rocks and then Macca's? Like, there's only one Macca's in Perth? No, Mac- McDonald's Mandra. Actually, no, the reason I say that is because um, we used to work for a company where you were allowed to go within, like, zones yeah, of the yeah. city. We had these work cars and you could basically drive within these zones for free. They're probably like between one and another. They're three hours away, maybe. They're pretty big zones. Yeah, it's about two hundred k's from top to bottom. Yeah. Anyway, I basically used to drive so much, and then on my personal time, I would re- record it as like work time. Oh yeah, no, so I'd we constantly for sure. be going between two rocks and Mandra. Did I tell you I drove to Esperance one time? Yes, you yeah, did. And then I'm back. surprised you never got caught for that. Well, it's not my fault. I don't know how to read a map. <laughs> Is that an Asian joke? How dare you? <laughs> so the, the really man that went to, to a white party. <laughs> yeah, literally. So anyway, in that situation, I reflected and there was a lot of red flags or there's a lot of things along the way that you know, I probably could have done differently. But I'm curious to, to hear what would Jordan do in that situation? So, okay, so I'm on a date with someone. Well, I'm on some sort of experience with a member of the opposite sex, right? No, no. Uh, let's say they're gay. Okay, so I've gone out to, say, a gig with a gay guy and yep. another person messages me. Yep. Is the person who messaged me hotter than the guy that I'm with? Unfortunately, no. Okay, well, that was your first mistake. <laughs> you got to know like, where your bread's buttered. If you're already with someone and you're going to leave them for someone else, you, you're going to have to get something from it. But like, I knew that the, the person, the hotter person I was originally with, like... They weren't interested. There was nothing. Okay. Well, then you don't owe them anything. Yeah. In which case, you can cut and run. Like, Which I did. Yeah, exactly. So After blowing them off. (laughs) Okay, so you blew them off and then... (laughs) No, I I think if you're with someone and it's not feeling like there's any potential, it's not feeling authentic or you're just not each other's type, there's no reason why you can't cut your losses and, and... Try and salvage the night, however that looks for okay, you. Okay, so, so tick, that's okay. Okay, so tick, it's okay. What's not okay is to wait around for 20 to 30 minutes. I mean, okay. I don't even think I would have driven in that person's direction until I knew they were actually legitimately, you know, serious about the night. I mean, to be fair, I've been waiting 27 years. So true, true. What's another 20 minutes? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's probably where I would have failed. And I think because in the in the gay world, if you're looking for that type of immediate hookup connection, as I as I spoke about in our pilot episode, mm. we have so many apps for that that if your hookup's taking too long and you're only interested in one thing, then you're just going to move on to the next person. So I don't think I would have waited around. I don't yeah. think I would have been doing the old tent embassy, and I certainly wouldn't be like want to be an Uber driver for a night, like driving this person around all. Areas of the city So just to clarify Nothing happened Nothing no, happened No kissing No nothing like that Too much of an ick Alright Fair enough Okay That's a, that's a good story So yeah That, that was my That was un- another Another story of you Getting literally no sex <laughs> Amazing I think our listeners Know what they're in for <laughs> I think we've got plenty of content to go through over the next 10 years. <laughs> yeah. You know, one thing I was thinking about the other day, like I've known you for four years. Mm-hmm. I don't actually think I've 
ever heard your coming out story? No, I don't think I've ever told you. Have you ever needed to come out or did you, as soon as you yeah, were born? I th- look, I have one. It's certainly not the Hollywood type story that, you know, we kind of see portrayed in the media. But, you know, I don't think anyone's is. I guess I don't really tell it a lot because I don't think that many people would get things out of it. How old were you when you realised you went straight? Yeah. Is that an okay question to ask? Yeah, that's fine. And I give you full creative license to kind of structure questions however you want to. I guess when people ask me that question, and they do ask me that question a lot, I would say my question to you is how old did you realise you were when you were straight? Because I'm guessing it was the same age. That moment when you kind of realise you discover the other sex or the same sex. You feel things where you go, oh, that's kind of a bit different. I think I was eight. Yeah. Yeah. I would say anywhere from between like seven to ten. Yeah. I I don't have a specific moment when I remember like looking at a male or a male body part and thinking like, oh, like hubba bubba. So not even a person. No, although there was an experience when I was like maybe in my early teens Mm. that I remember when you're a gay guy, a lot of people say that they used to look at the underwear tags, like the underwear models when you were buying like jocks or for American listeners, like pants, basically. Because the guy who models, or the man who models that, they're always like a very good-looking, well-groomed person. They're wearing like underpants, and they sometimes they have abs or, you know, pecs yeah. or something yeah. like that. I do remember kind of staring at those underwear tags a lot. What about, like, TV shows and whatnot? I mean, we've talked about my experiences with <laughs> TV shows, and I do not want to bring that up again. But I can't remember any particular male celebrity or mm. character that I was really drawn to. Um, maybe if I thought about it a little bit more. Yeah. Well, I used to watch High School Musical a lot. So that was, like, the Zac Efron yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, phase. I guess I would, like, fantasize about him, but... You know, I was I was really into like, musical theatre and yep. musicals, so I think a part of me was kind of in denial because I just wanted to be him. Like, I just wanted to be that character that was, you know, everyone adored and he was good-looking and he had the girl and he was a centre of attention. So I'm not really sure how much I separated the sexuality yeah, component out from versus that. Versus him wanting to be like him. Yeah, basically just being a complete egotistical mm. it's funny because looking at you right now your hair's in a bit of a, a quiff and you've yeah got i do have the zac Efron. i've got so i've got the zac Efron hair i think that's you're only about 15 years too late but. yeah 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 i think that's where the similarities <laughs> end yeah anywhere from seven eight nine hmm. i probably started looking who was the first nine. person you told um first person i told my god I, I, look i used to do i used to get on like internet chat rooms a little bit oh like the meagle and no, Chat no, we used to have one that was like, I don't remember what it was called, but it was for over 18s. It was like adult gay chat. Mm. And I would go on there when I was like maybe 15. Yep. You could have the option for webcam or not webcam. And I think I probably said like type that out a few times, but the person I told face to face, you know what? Um, we spoke about it before, like Kentucky tours. I was on something called a top deck tour. Yeah. So it's basically Which is not this, a sexual euphemism. It's not a sexual thing. Um, it's just for early 20-somethings yeah. going around it's Europe. It's a bit more classy than a Kentucky. Yeah, not really. If you've done top deck, it's pretty much exactly the same. But um, I was on this uh, a bus about tour through Europe with 30 other um, 20-year-olds, all from Australia, a few people from Europe and the UK. And I, I used to sit next to someone who was about my age. I think he was from Queensland. And um, yeah, I... I started to develop like feelings for him kind of as a friend and then mm. something more. I was 18 year, years old at this point. Uh, I just, I just kind of moved slash um, gone to the UK for the, for six months. And that's when I started to kind of feel like, I don't know, the emotion of, well, I think there's something more here. Yeah. And basically some of his friends one night, I think they asked me or they confronted me about it. And I told them that I was feeling things for him and I think they were the first people I told. Wow. Yeah. And was um, that a safe space for you? Yeah, it was. We were pretty close on that bus. It was one of those experiences where you spend a lot of time with new people mm. and you feel like a, you know, that really intense bond. Oh my God. Yeah. Classic. Yeah. You know, That's Kentucky basically like... BFFs forever. Yeah. And then it kind of lasts for like two days after oh, you absolutely. finish the tour and then you move on with your life. <laughs> but yeah, that was, that was the first time I kind of... Yeah. What about... um? Coming out to your parents. 
So I did what a lot of people who are gay do, which has come out as kind of bisexual to begin yep. with. And I think that I did that because I guess it's less confronting mm. to say like I'm completely different. You just say, hey, I'm a little bit different. Yep. Um, it gives you an opportunity to kind of like go back if you... Well, not go back, but just not put both feet into the one pool. Mm. Which... I guess I have to be careful because I have really good friends who are bi now and it's not like, I don't know if the way in which I came out is almost like a bit offensive to them because it it wasn't very authentic, but it was what I needed at the time Mm. because I wasn't ready to to say I'm completely gay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And honestly, I mean, dude, like who fucking knows? Like when you're coming out with your sexuality, I'd had basically very few gay experiences. Um, I'd never had sex there was probably three kind of sexual encounters I'd had Mm. over the space of about five years. I basically had never kissed a guy. The only thing that I thought that I knew for sure was that I had these feelings. But when you're that age and you're that young, you don't know if everyone's having those feelings. Like it wasn't really talked about. I didn't have any gay literature. I didn't have any gay people on TV shows. Like it wasn't really spoken about. It was just this thing that we knew existed. And I thought it was me, but... I wasn't really sure. I didn't have a gay best friend. I didn't have like some gay uncle in the family that I could talk to. You kind of have to make this decision and you've got no information. Mm. It's like when you, for me, it's like putting um, the university pamphlets in front of someone who's just come out of high school and say, what do you want to be for the rest of your life? Yeah. You're like, like, well, I know I have to make a choice, but I'm not ready for it. Yeah. Because I had, didn't have any experiences. I was kind of just going off intuition which famously I've never been very good at in my life. So was was there a period like that sounds like a lot of, you know, challenges, identity seeking, like you're almost a bit lost trying to figure out. You know. Yeah, definitely. You feel so alone because I mean, I just cannot stress this. I had no gay role models. Mm. I had no gay friends. I think what you're saying about, you know, on TV back when we were kids, there was no gay people on TV. No, I used to watch Will and Grace and they had some, like, they had gay characters. Mm. So it's not like it didn't exist. I mean, there were shows out there like um, The L Word was one for lesbians, um, Queer as Folk, I think in the 90s and early noughties. Like, there was TV shows out there, but it wasn't appropriate for a gay guy from Bustleton, which is basically like a country town in West mm. Australia to be, I guess, consuming that kind of content. What's your thoughts on th- that being a gay guy from the country? Because my experiences with country people, especially males, they're very masculine, very dominant, yeah. very ladsy. Yeah, that was never me to begin with anyway. Like, I didn't have those traits. I was more feminine and in touch with, like, feelings and emotions and, you know, like, kind of, like, happy-go-lucky mm. a little bit. I don't think there was a lot. <laughs> were know, were you um, bullied or anything or...? Yes, I did have experiences with bullying, yeah, when I was in high school. But they they probably weren't dom- they weren't the dominant experiences. Yeah. But yeah, they were there. Yeah. And you know, it's not you know, it's funny, but since this podcast is, you know, we need therapy, definitely things that I'm uncovering with my actual therapist that's like a qualified person. I am not an just, actual therapist not just and two, a qualified person. Not just two guys kind of shit talking on a podcast. Is that I think a lot of that might have been repressed and I didn't actually fully let myself engage with the amount of bullying. I kind of just like pushed that to the side and thought like, oh, bullying's not like the part of my story. But I think it actually was and I'm mm. just starting to discover that now. That's interesting. Yeah. 10, 12, 15 years down the track. Yeah. I think my journey with therapy is kind of discovering a lot of that stuff that I've locked away and just compartmentalized and then not ever... Um, let myself kind of feel those things. But yeah, there was bullying. There was bullying on like the school bus. I remember for a few years, um, nothing physical, just name calling. I, to be honest, I think emotional bullying has more scars or more trauma than physical. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Mm. And it's even, it's even like I listen to myself talking about it now. It's like, I'm trying to minimize what kind of happened to me. But in reality, like, yeah, when I sit with it and I think about it, then like a lot of stuff does come up. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that even talking to you now that I'm pretty good at probing people, but I can sense there's, there's a bit of resistance into 
diving into some of those experiences yeah and i think maybe that's because i'm still kind of processing them but at the same time like i don't want to be vulnerable Mm. that's like my overarching kind of coping strategy yeah is what and that's something that i discovered through therapy is that when i feel vulnerable like i i go so far in the opposite direction that people just perceive me to be this like really confident person but that's just my coping strategy kicking in i completely see that yeah and i get like entitlement is my major schema that comes out Mm. and people just consider me to be like know what they're talking about to expect to have x y and z but in reality that's what happens when i feel really uncomfortable Mm. And, and i see that day to day as well with you know interactions at work interactions that we have um even and i don't know if this is a completely different topic but i remember when we first became mates we started hanging out i almost and this is weird but i almost felt like i wanted to protect you from people that may judge you for being gay yeah like i, I remember we were out a few times and um like i could see people like masculine people that were like you know sort of alphaing around and i'd I don't know if you noticed at the time, but I'd divert us away from um, potentially having to interact with them. Or... Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's... I mean, I didn't even notice. I think... I Again, I think that's one of my coping strategies is that it's like I just... I only focus on what I want to see. And if you ask me if I had experiences of, like, homophobia in the last 10 years, I, I really can only think of one time. I think unless something is so obvious to me, mm. my my brain just doesn't really let me witness it. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I didn't have any of those experiences that you were talking about when we started hanging out. One time in 10 years. That's yeah, pretty literally. intense. You know, I'd say one time in 12 years. Um, oh, no, I just thought of another. That's so interesting because for me, like straight male, quite flamboyant, extravagant, hangs out with a lot of females. I cop quite a lot of homophobia around people would say that I'm gay or like in an, in an insulting way. Right. So to hear that you've only copped it one time in, in 12 years, like I reckon I, I cop it once every couple of months. Oh, okay. So that's very interesting. Yeah. I mean, the one time I remember um, was when I was walking along, like in a public place, I was holding my boyfriend's hand and it was actually a little, like a little boy. He must have been like six or eight. He mm. walked in the other direction and said fags. And I remember um, I was really embarrassed. I felt, I felt like the blood drained from my face. At the same time, I felt hot. And then my partner was, wasn't from Australia and English was his second language. So I guess my mind just went into overdrive and thought, did he understand what that word meant? Did you ever talk about it? No. With your partner? No. Not with him. There was someone else there at the time that I did talk about, yeah, but not with him. And I was so embarrassed because I was showing him Australia. Yeah. And I showed him that. Well, I didn't show it to him. It exists and he experienced From it. From a seven-year-old. Yeah. Yeah. And that sort of thing has happened. I mean, now that I'm thinking about it, I guess I can think of some other examples. But yeah, every, every two or three years, I guess it would come up. But as you kind of mentioned, I'm sure it happens more often. I just don't, I just don't see it. Do you think that's more so because your lifestyle is very immersed with other gay people? Well, yeah. I mean, like it is now. I mean, but three, three years ago when I first met you, I didn't really have a lot of gay friends. Mm. I had mostly straight friends and now my life has completely changed. I mean, I'm in a relationship with two other gay guys all of our friends are, are gay. Mm. We go to things like circuit, but that's only happened in the last 12 months. Yeah. What about in a work situation? You're quite comfortable in letting people know that you're gay, but I always sense in having seen you in one job and then another job, or even when you're seeing new clients, I see a reserved period. Yeah. And then when it's out and then I see the real you. Is that, is that strategic or? Yeah, I guess it's just... Um I've, it's never been like a conscious choice. It's always that I think, I don't know, for me, it's always been that professionalism in the fact that I'm a therapist, I'm there okay. to almost like in some ways like a consultant on people's lives yeah. to help them understand, you know, for me, it's movement based stuff for you. It's, it's other things, but I feel like professionalism dictates that you come in as 
someone who knows what they're talking about, someone who guards part of themselves, yep. someone who's there. I mean, people are paying you, in some cases, a lot of money to be there. Yep. So in many ways, I don't feel like my sexuality comes through the door with me because I'm focused on what the client is searching for. What about colleagues? Um, colleagues, I guess it depends. If mm. I have that instant connection with someone and I feel like they're similar to me, whether that's, you know, gay or just socially progressive or likes to have a good time, yep. then my sexuality will come out really quickly. Mm. If there's someone who I I think is a bit more serious workplace setting, the culture they have, or, or maybe in management, I tend to kind of withhold that for a little bit. Mm. And I don't know if that's a healthy thing. It's just what happens. That's what I'm comfortable with. Yeah, it's so interesting because, like, straight people don't need to hold in their sexuality. Exactly. Yeah, and that and the whole like coming out thing, I mean, I consume a lot of like gay media and stuff, so this isn't particularly like a new a new thought, but the fact that we have to come out is it just feels so like the the idea of coming out just feels a bit traumatic. Because yeah. you have to tell people, Hey, I'm different from, you know, the norm. And yeah, it's like yeah. why the fuck do I have to do that? Yeah. Like you didn't have to come out as straight. And it's like there's all this pressure on this journey and discovery and moment of telling people that are close to you but it's like why why does it have to exist like why is the norm being straight yeah that kind of yeah that kind of bothers me a little bit because i think it is traumatic and you know going to the circuit festival you know i spoke to people who i listened to their coming out stories and they they sound a lot more traumatic than mine mm. People have been through some like some real shit. Yeah. Lost their families because of it. Oh, hundred percent. And I haven't experienced any of that. When I told my parents, I guess it wasn't a shock for either of them because, as I said, I was quite a flamboyant kid. I told my mum and my dad over the phone when I was in um, when I was back in the UK after the the tour had wrapped up. I told my mum first, kind of hinted at it over email. And she called me and we had a discussion and it came out pretty quickly. And I said that I was bi at that stage and that I was having feelings towards someone. And she processed it. Um, I think she took some time and came back within a few days. And we spoke openly on the phone. Mm. I didn't feel like there was a lot of judgment. But I did feel like that she probably needed to some space to kind of consider how that would f- affect her and um, our relationship. Yeah. I told my dad over the phone as well a few days later. It was a little bit harder to tell him. He he probably has some of those qualities that you kind of associate with being like a man from the country, being more like masculine yep. and not dominant, but like kind of breadwinner-esque. My dad's reaction was neutral to slightly positive. I think in my dad's eyes it was Actually, probably in both my parents, they were just concerned about how difficult this would make my life. Yeah. Yeah. But within six to 12 months, my parents knew that nothing was changing. Mm. And we've had great and amazing relationship ever since. Oh, 100%. And I haven't met your dad, but I've met your mom. And the relationship that you two have is incredible. Mm. So it's interesting to even hear that she had to process it. But I think that's normal. Yeah. I mean, I guess... Yeah, I mean, I like if so. I were to look at a snapshot of the two of you now, it, it, it just looks like she's your number one fan. She's supported you in terms of like everything in life from day one. Yeah. Which and she still has. She has. Yeah. I think it was just that kind of like shock of like, maybe, I don't know, I finally said it or I don't know. It's not that she wasn't supportive yeah. from day one, but I feel like I can be more authentic with my parents now. You don't have to hold back that part of yourself yeah. when you're at... um because when you're in your family home, that's when you can be your most open, your most authentic self. Yeah. Whereas when you're hiding a secret, it's always kind of hidden somewhere. And that that stops you from engaging with your parents or your siblings on a level that you want to. Mm. And, and it, it's funny that we spoke about Circuit at the beginning of the episode because in many ways I feel like Circuit, this idea of like partying like crazy, like it is quite intense being surrounded by so many gay people, but really like the extremes of gay culture. Like people aren't just like a little bit gay at Circuit. Well, they are, but then people are massively gay. They're in your face gay. Yeah. I guess when you've experienced those early years, 
of like hiding that that part of yourself. It's like you want to come out so strongly on the other side to say like, these are all the things that I couldn't do for that period of time. It I don't know. Circuit almost feels therapeutic in a way because mm. you're telling yourself that it was always okay to be this way. Yeah. And when you see people in the streets, on the corners, in the clubs, in the bars that are reflecting like such a strong part of themselves, I don't know. It's quite overwhelming because it's a level of acceptance that you've never seen before. Mm. I mean, we, we joked about it at the start, but it really is that place of mutual belonging, a shared experience, a safe place. Yeah. And, and you're the majority. Like, that's what's so hard to get your head around. When you're a minority... And there's lots of them. And we've, I'm sure there's a lot of people listening to this podcast that feel like there's times when I just don't fit in. But when you see that your, your people are the majority, it's such a foreign concept in your head. Mm. It's like, is this what straight white men feel like all the time? Is this why the world is like so good for them? Because they see themselves everywhere. Yeah. I don't know. For that moment, I'm like, oh, yeah, I can see why they feel that way. Why they feel so entitled to everything. Interesting. There's a lot to unpack here. I know. I think we need therapy. (laughs) Terrible. (laughs) So bad. Well, that was amazing. And thank you for sharing your story. I think we've just touched the surface there and I can't wait to go deeper into therapy with you. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I mean, I I feel like I'll be talking about this topic with my actual therapist (laughs) for a while. And yeah, as I said... There's stuff that's happened in the past where I'm only just beginning to understand what that meant. But, yeah, I think as long as I keep trying to be open and vulnerable when I need to be, then I can kind of understand myself a little bit better. Mm. I don't know if any of that makes sense. I'm feeling particularly, like, shell-shocked at the moment. So just, yeah, forgive me for that. Oh, it's a journey and we're we're all going through it together. Yeah. Are you going to come out now? (laughs) (laughs) That would be amazing. If we did episode one, my coming out story, episode two, your coming out story, I would feel like our listeners would be like, God, that would be exactly me just trying to overshine you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's pretty much our dynamic. One person does something and the other yeah, yeah. person does it just a little bit better. Um, no, but I mean, thanks. I, I felt, yeah, I felt really comfortable answering those questions. So Amazing. Well, look forward to more episodes of We Need Therapy. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Check in with you next week. Ciao, ciao.